are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, Kevin, are you as sad as I am? Um, no, because I had some time to process it, I guess. Yeah, I'm still fully in uh, bargaining, you know, if we're talking stages of grief. Uh, and of course, what I'm referring to there is the loss of our captain. Claude Giroux has been traded to the Florida Panthers. I'm not going to bury the lead anymore. Right. Uh, this is really the only, it was the only story on this show for a couple of weeks leading into the trade le- deadline, almost to the point where I thought we were talking about it ad nauseum. It finally yeah. happened. And yeah. it wasn't Colorado. It wasn't Alex Newhook. It wasn't, you know, we, we heard some names floating around. Break down this trade for me. Claude Giroux to the Florida Panthers. All right. Um, I mean, it, it is what it is because of the fact that Claude Giroux got the, you know, had a no trade clause, had a no movement clause, could do whatever he wanted to do and go wherever he wanted to go. And he got to pick his destination. He got to hand pick and he, it. And he earned that right. First and foremost, before we talk about the return that some people may have thought was a little lackluster, we'll get into that. First, foremost, off the top, Claude Drew earned the right to the no movement clause. It was negotiated into his contract. He exercised his right to pick the team he wanted to go to. Correct. And I stand by that a thousand percent. He earned the right to make that choice. I I also sit there and the article I wrote after the, the day after the trade was more about and I'm not trying to make this a whole the organization let him down all the time thing like. He came into a team as a rookie that had Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, Chris Pronger came into the picture a little later on. Danny Briere was on the team. Kimo Tiemann was on the team. Scott Hartnell was on the team. Simone Gagne was on the team. Like He came into a team where he was far from the number one guy. Right. Far from it. And the thing was that I look at it and I go, if you're going to be mad at the deal, you you're need to direct your anger and your frustration and all that. Not even to just Chuck Fletcher here, because at the end of the day, this goes back to Bobby Clark drafted him. Paul Holmgren signed the contract that had the no trade clause in it. Ron Hextall had this team for four years, didn't give them a whole lot to work with. And then Chuck Fletcher, like it is a collective from the beginning of his career. Everybody has had a role in this. He's had four GMs since he's since he was drafted seven head coaches since he came into the league multiple upon multiple players who many of which were painfully average yeah i'm certainly thinking of michael roffle first line winger i'm not even thinking of that because roffle was a good like swiss army knife type of player sure Um, but you don't want michael roffle on your first line no it's not even that because well i i agree but in the year that he was he was rising to the occasion because Giroux and Voracek were playing at such a high level. I'm talking about the years of Chris Vandevelde and the year, <sighs> you know, and this year with guys like Nate Thompson and Patrick Brown and Nick Cousins know, had and, a spot in this lineup for yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, there you go. Nick Cousins isn't the one, and that's not to diss Nick Cousins. Like they're nice. Oh, I'll diss Nick Cousins. He's a nice guy. He might be a nice guy, but he was not. No, no, a no great I was player. I was calling him a nice complimentary piece. Is in like okay, yeah, stick him on Nashville's fourth line at this stage of his career. That's nice. It wasn't gonna, you know. It wasn't going to work out at that time. You know, I mean, let's go this way. For how many years would we have classified Scott Lawton that way? But now we look at Scott Lawton and go, no, he's a good, you know, third line. Middle six piece. Middle six kind of guy. Exactly. Like Nick Cousins has evolved into what his role is. But at the time, that's not what he was or what we didn't know what he was. 
You know what I mean? Like there was enough players around him. So I look at that and I go, I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to look at that and look at what some of the comments are and look at what some of the reports are and sit there and say, Claude Giroux, for lack of a better term, screwed over the Flyers. I really no. I really don't like the idea of playing him out to be the villain when right. it kind of went both ways. He had all this time here. He didn't owe you anything. You, you, you all the opportunity in the world, particularly over the time of the of his captaincy, which was the duration of the contract. Yep. To say, get a better team around him, and. Give him something to work with where he's not quite literally carrying him on his shoulders into he's a not scoring game. a hat trick on the final game of the season because you got to beat the right. Rangers to make the playoffs is right. a perfect example of Claude Giroux in this team. And, and we will talk a little bit about some Claude Giroux moments, maybe towards the end of the show here a little bit. <clears throat> yes. But it OK, before before we go any further here, I do want to break down the trade because we haven't actually said it. So going to Florida. Claude Giroux at 50% of his salary retained for the remainder of the season. We expected that to be the case. Uh, the Florida Panthers also acquire German Rubitsoft, Connor Bunneman, 2024 fifth round pick. In exchange, the Philadelphia Flyers get Owen Tippett, who we saw on Sunday. We'll talk about briefly in a little bit. Uh, Florida's 2023 third round pick and their 2024 first round pick. So you did get a prospect. You did get a first round pick. That draft is three drafts from now. It is also top 10 protected, and if Florida's in the top 10, it will be the 2025 first-round pick. So this isn't a piece you're going to see for a couple of years. Um, overall, it's a piece that you're not even using for a couple of years, let alone see it. In a few, you're not going to see it well, for right. five you're, years. You're not even going to see the guy that becomes the piece for a couple of years, and that's if Chuck doesn't trade this pick in the near future here, and you know we'll talk I'll, about I'll, that too. I'll go out on a limb with that one in a second, but finish up with what the deal is. Right. So there's the deal. Okay. Yeah. And did, the biggest oh, okay, pieces back are the first-round pick and Owen Tippett. Right. Okay. So – I, I guess I'll start with the first round pick because it's going to be the easy one to talk about. Chuck Fletcher's not making that pick. No, I firmly agree. I don't know. Okay. I think Chuck Fletcher might make your 22 selections. I don't know if Chuck Fletcher's making your 23 selections. I certainly don't think he's making your 24 selections. Well, and it's and okay, but this is why it's a that's a it's a two-way like statement kind of to say he's not making that pick. He is probably not making the pick because if some for whatever reason it's 2024, Good chance he's not the one here to even make the pick. Right. I don't think he's making the pick because I think it's on the table. Right. I save my job. I do what I do. Retool the whole thing, that kind of thing. And and move it. It's got to be. I got to move that pick. I'm just curious, and I, I don't know the answer to this. Can you trade a pick that has those sort of protections on it? Like the the, the, the top 10 protect, protections and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, okay. I believe so. so those those conditions yeah. just There's transfer no to whatever team just, acquires it, that yeah. pick. The conditions, right? It, the conditions on a pick are made in the deal. Like what it might limit the Flyers in doing is is that then they can't put conditions on the pick. Oh, right. Like. There's already conditions on the pick from Florida because it's this is what happens when you get one of those picks that someone will pick. Like I'm doing it as a hypothetical, so just bear with me. It's the first team that popped in my head just now. So let's say Seattle gets the pick. It then becomes Seattle, you know, from Philadelphia via Florida. 
that's how they label those things in like the draft recaps. Oh, right. Like on the charts, because then that way it's it's basically a point of like this was Florida's pick. They put conditions on it, sent it to Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is the one that made the trade down the line to send it somewhere else. So, you know, in that respect, you know, yeah, I don't think they can put conditions on it, but they can move it if they want to. And I definitely think it's on the move. Right. Now, I, I think my biggest uh, issue with the whole Claude Giroux, no movement clause, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I wish Claude had done a little bit of a better job acting like he was willing to go more than just Florida. I hear you. Because uh, I, I feel thing. like and, – and if behind the if, – if the only person he told that to was his agent, Pat Brisson, and Chuck Fletcher – well, then there's a leak somewhere because we we heard about it pretty quickly that the only place that Claude Drew would go would be to Florida. And it's been speculated pretty heavily that that might have uh, dampened the return a little bit. Uh, overall, I think Chuck Fletcher did about the best he could. He gets a guy in Tippett who's 23, I believe, yep. and is kind of starting to get to the point where he is what he is but probably still has a little bit of development left. Although with the Philadelphia Flyers, I don't know if that's the best thing (laughs) where I think this is a major W by the way here is that we picked up another ginge and boy, is this man ginger (laughs) that hair is flyers orange. Okay. Well speak for yourself because I know that that that's what matters to you. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, of course. Well, because see in that respect, then it's like a one for one. It evens itself out. So no, Claude, he's got way more orange per sixty than Claude. Come well, on. Okay, now. that's fair. And he's and he's also like I get it. We've seen all the memes. He's Wade Allison's twin, basically. Oh, he sure is. It's it's pretty funny. Him and Wade like, Allison whenever, are a star in a buddy cop movie. No, whenever um, what's it? Whenever Wade Allison does come back into the lineup, and it should be pretty soon, to be honest. They've talked about that a little bit. That's going to be something. I I I am hoping that they put them on the same line. <laughs> okay. Oh, just because. It would be so funny. To watch who's, our, who's our most redheaded center at the moment? Is there anybody oh, who can even, play between them? I think I mean Patrick Brown might have some red hair. Not okay. long, but he's got red. Sort of. Reddish. I'm just trying to come up with the, you know, the ginger line. Well, it's not going to be Scott Lawton, and it's not going to be Morgan Frost, and it's not going to, I mean, here's the thing. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be Derek Broussard either. Yeah, well, and it's not, and it's not Kevin Hayes. I mean, you you might have something if it was Sean Couturier still playing, but then I don't, but I don't think Sean Couturier would get Owen Tippett with him. Uh, maybe the first game as his rehab start. If you're, if, okay, yeah, if you're sheltering Couturier for a game, yes, you're right. Like if okay. if, if he's not going to be your first line center for a night for whatever reason, you right. might see it briefly. And hey, you never know how Allison and uh, Tippett are going to develop. Maybe in two or three years, that's what your power play looks like. Uh, probably not. Um, well, power play is a good theory though. Like especially in the here and now, if Couturier was playing and you had those two, I could see that because power play. Yes, you've got Tippett and you've got Allison who would both be able to shoot really well. Couturier is probably your setup guy. And you know, and, and, and boy, Cam we, York we, on the point. We saw a little bit of Tippett shot on Sunday. Yeah, we did. <laughs> that boy has a yeah. shot. You're just gonna gloss over the fact that I added to your vision Cam York on the point. I know. I love it. Let's do that. Uh, we're, now we're missing. We need one more. I'm sure we can wrestle somebody up. There's too many redheads in this organization. <laughs> it's it's funny to think about. Um, Either that or we're just gonna for a team with orange their primary color. Come on now. Well, e- either that or we're just going to need Joel Farabee or 
Cam Atkinson to dye their hair oh, red. Oh, somebody dye your hair for the boys. Come on now. Right. Take one for the team. Dye your hair red. All right. Anyway, no. Back to the return, all that type of stuff. So yeah. the first round picks. The first round pick to me is as good as gone eventually. Like, they're going to have to get aggressive with that, especially since it couldn't be a 2023 pick even. Like, right. Because if it's a 2023, you're probably actually just sitting there holding on to it. Absolutely, because 2023, we've talked, uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot kind of off the now, show. 2023 looks to be a very, very deep draft. Now, I don't want to jump around too much because we very strictly are focusing on Claude Giroux trade here. Yeah. But the picks that they added, because there was such an emphasis on 2023, they have use the pick in this in this trade which was a 2023 third in this particular in the in the Drew trade and the fact that when we get down the line later and we'll explain more about I guess why they traded the other guys and all that stuff or what kind of went into that but the Justin Braun trade produces a 2023 third as well now you yep. have three picks in the 2023 third round you don't have a pick in the second round of that draft because you 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 traded it for Rasmus Ristolainen in the offseason, but three picks in the twenty in the third round, you can package something and move back in usually. Sure, and the twenty twenty three draft, like we talked about, is is supposed to be talented. It's supposed to be fairly deep. Maybe you hold on to it and take three stabs in the third round, and just kind of hope to find I, some some lottery tickets. Yeah. I think you try your best to get back into the second just because the higher you can go, the higher you can go. But I think that the – you know what? There's now an extra fourth in play there too. Yep, and all of this is obviously it. operating under the assumption that Chuck Fletcher doesn't trade all these picks as part of the aggressive retool over the summer. Yeah, I mean – Because it is a significant possibility that any number of these picks are included in deals. Yeah, I'm going to be very curious about what happens with all that type of stuff and whatnot. But, but beyond that, okay, so let's go back to the return a little bit because we need to kind of talk about all the different things that were coming out around the time of the trade. And quite honestly, you know, we had the group chat going a little bit. And there yeah, was group a chat's part, been spicy over the last couple of days. And there was a big part of me as stuff was happening that was getting, and I'm not going to specifically mention which reports or tweets or whatever we were sharing with each other because of the fact that, there were so many of them where at one point in time, I think I even said, I'm not reading into anything. Like, I just eventually the fact will come out like someone will have a real idea of where he's going to go. Enough of this Colorado's in. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Like it was too. There was too much back and forth. And eventually the story was going to get itself cleared up one way or another. And it pretty much did. I don't know everything. But I know a lot of details of what kind of happened and some of the things that were explained. Some of them were explained directly. You know, Claude Giroux called at the top of his list for Florida. You know, Chuck Fletcher says it was a very limited market. You've got other people who come out who add to the story, like Joe Sackick saying that he was prepared to make an offer where they were interested, but he didn't want to go there. Well, if he didn't want to go there and he didn't really want to go, like he didn't want to go anywhere else. That was the bottom line. He wanted Florida. He yep. got Florida. He and chose have, Florida. And when you have that, you have no leverage if you're in Chuck Fletcher's situation. So, so to get a first-round pick, which I thought was an, a must in a deal, to get a pick in the 2023 draft that still holds some value. Certainly. And I think the hard part of the deal is Owen Tippett to an extent because I think what, the, the object is is that with no disrespect to Owen Tippett whatsoever and what he could do. He's sure not Gregory Denisenko. It's not even that he's not that. It's – He's the only piece that comes back for a franchise icon. Like, it's hard to just, like, in, in a lot of people's minds, it's hard to justify. You just traded Claude Giroux, your captain, your leader, your, you know, the player that 
has lasted the longest in this city for the last decade and a half. Not just, you know, hey, he's the longest tenured flyer captain and all this stuff. He's the longest tenured Philly athlete by a long shot Yep, for a while. And that it's difficult to come to terms with. What I think it's Brandon it's Graham longer. now for the record. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's difficult to come to terms with that's it. And I even thought that metrics looked a little like metrics looked a little bit bad when you lay the trade out and you see these things like people who make these graphics. And uh, that's not dissing graphics, by the way. Like, I, for God's sakes, I do that for the Flyerdelphia account, which I have to like completely overhaul now because kind of like I don't know if you saw some tweets from some of the beats that were actually at Chuck Fletcher's press conference on two or on Monday after like after the deadline and stuff like that but a bunch of the imagery is coming down like they had to take down the banner that he's on like sure. all stuff cuz it, it changes so he's I the have, centerpiece of your right. franchise and he's so, gone so guess what I get guess what I get to do I have to redo a whole lot of stuff oh I mean, yeah not a ton cuz to be fair losing one player in a trade it is real like for from a goal goal graphic standpoint is losing one goal graphic but when you're like hey game on and you want to put a little graphic up well he's on that and he's on the one where they win and he's i think well maybe he's not anymore i, I forget how i did it but be, beside the point yeah but, i uh those graphics those graphics that have the metrics of a trade laid out when you look at it and you go okay it's claude Giroux, connor bunneman yerman rubsov a twenty twenty. It was 2023 fifth. And then you go to the other side and it's Owen Tippett, 2024 first, 2023 third. You're going, how does the four there add up to the three on the other side? That doesn't make a lot of sense. The best player in the deal is on the side with four. Right. How does that make sense? That's the lack of leverage. Well, and that and also it's kind of come out in the days since the trade that Bunneman and Rubitsoff were kind of there to free up some contract space. Um, I don't know in terms of long-term ramifications what that's going to have, but on trade deadline day and the weekend leading up to it, Chuck Fletcher apparently felt that he needed to make a little bit of room. Uh, so now, before we kind of break this down further, I do want to talk about what the Flyers did before they shipped Claude out of town. And another another topic that we've been on for a very long time was a major milestone that Claude was approaching and it was pretty well anticipated that they were going to let him hit it before they dealt him. And that became abundantly clear on Thursday night when the, when the Philadelphia Flyers played the Nashville Predators and Claude Giroux skated in his 1,000th game. Um, we saw a pregame ceremony, which is extraordinarily rare that you see the, game, the ceremony before the game happens. It's one of those things where I don't know if hockey people are just superstitious or whatever it is, but they don't do the pregame ceremony before the thousandth game. They wait and then they do it at the next home game, something like that. But no, this time we all kind of knew what it was. Uh, the building looked pretty full on TV. Uh, you were there, and I'll, I'll ask you about that in just a second. 17, 18, 20,000 people, whatever number of people were there, everybody kind of knew. Mm -hmm. And we saw the pregame ceremonies. We saw Bob Clark. We saw the silver stick. We saw his teammates coming up and hugging him. And it was an emotional moment. Uh, Kevin, you were you were in the building. Um, okay. Walk yeah. us through kind of what was in the air that night. Okay, so I do want to clear up the crowd number a little bit because it was not completely quite the full sellout crowd, but it was over seventeen thousand. Easy. Okay. 
It was a really good crowd. Probably the best crowd that they've had all season. Going, <laughs> going not back, surprised. Well, I don't want to say all season completely because I'm going, you know, going back to like the opener and the first and couple games. The team they, started what, 11 and 5? Um, Something like that? Well, yeah, I guess if, you're trying to count like like overtime losses mixed in. So hey, they were eight. Sure. You know what? Before the first 10 game losing streak started, they were 8 4 and 2. I remember that. Okay. Time. So they right, were right, 8 right. 4 and okay. 2. So take that for what it's worth. Um, so this was probably the best crowd since like November ish, probably. Um, you know, they do the ceremony and all that stuff. Like they, they do a lot of the stuff that they were going to do for this game. And, you know, warm ups happen. The ceremony kind of gets closer to getting started. They do all the gifts. They do all that kind of stuff. They give them, you know, all these things. They had given them a bunch of stuff earlier in the day. And, you know, all of that was everything that it kind of was thought to be, but it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't exactly like the super emotional thing yet. Like, obviously, in the back of your mind, especially for where I'm sitting, yeah, you're thinking about it. This might be the last game, but... You know, it, it still didn't feel that way yet completely. And then, you know, the game progresses. He plays, you know, he he self-admitted he didn't think he played the best game. But, you know, I get it. And he, he did everything, you know, like he kind of tried to soak it all in as much as he could. And he was, he, he was doing everything he could to, to try to soak in that moment and still focus on the game and to the rest of the team's credit you know there were moments that weren't very good obviously but when it really got down to it they buckled down they Man. got the, they got the win that was they a got, gritty performance out of that team for their captain and, and you they could got the see win. it and they got the win you know going back to the last couple of things Derek Broussard looks like he scored. I don't even think it would have been his goal. I think it would have been another goal for Van Riemsdyk if I go if I really paid close attention to the replay the way I thought I saw it. But we everybody was ready to give it to Broussard anyway. It didn't matter. It was knocked down with a high stick. And you sit there and you go, well, there's the bad break. Oh, well, 4-3 loss probably incoming. Or, fi- or 5 Oh, I, I smelled it coming all season long. They give up a goal le- or they, they get a call like that and the team just crumbles. Right. And And... You know, and I, I even corrected myself, like maybe five three. You know, maybe they give it the empty netter at the end, whatever. Right. And it was not more than maybe two minutes later that you know he, he, Rasmus risks the line and kind of goes end to end, turns on the burners and makes a nice play. Of all people, and <laughs> and they, no, and they get a bounce because yep. it goes off. Of, Kevin Hayes didn't shoot it; it just happened to bounce off of his body, and he and it goes in, and it's a goal, and it counts, and you got a tie game. And then Hayes made a. I mean that the play that Hayes makes on the goal by Faraby is is 2019-20 Kevin Hayes. It was good. Which, which for what it's worth between Thursday and Sunday is the healthiest I've seen him all season. Yeah, Kevin Hayes has looked I don't want to say completely back. He's not fully healthy at all. Right. But is but he's as playing a as lot. He has been. Yep, he's playing a lot more like the guy who lived up to that contract the first year. Um, so thousand th- this element of he's not out there. Why isn't he out there? Why wouldn't they? They're going to have an empty net. Why wouldn't they put him out there? And Mike Yo basically said after the game, it was asset management, which I sure. do want to. Which and I, I, there's a reason why it happened the way that it did. Actually, Claude Drew's last shift with the Philadelphia Flyers was with one. It ended with one fifty-five left in regulation. Okay, know what happened at that given moment? 
What's that? Justin Braun accidentally cleared a puck into the face of Morgan Frost, and that was the end of Claude Drew's line on the ice for the rest of the you night. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Like, as in, oh, dear God, freak accident almost just happened. Kind of like taking him off the ice right now. Mark Andre Fleury losing his glove last night and sitting here with the with the hand up. Right, right, right. <laughs> Chicago going no, no <laughs> with the whistle. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was the end of the night. He stays on the bench. He even admitted he. I don't. He he didn't sound like he even wanted to be on the ice for the last minute nineteen because I'm sure going, he did because he's going the emotions. You know, they're put. He, he even said they're putting me up on the board. I don't even know why they're putting me on the board. It's like there's a game going on here. Yep. Like that's how much of a competitor competitor he was down to the bitter end. But they you, win the, they me, win the game, and everyone else in the building knows that the game doesn't matter at that point. Right, it doesn't. But two well, points but, against two points against Nashville in the season you're having does not matter. It doesn't, but it does because everybody wanted the win for him. You're right. So it kind of like matter. It felt it felt like the stadium series from a couple years ago. You know, it's Wayne Simmons' last game. Yes. You want to go out there and win that game because Wayne Simmons has earned a win in his last game in your jersey, and they got it. And oh yeah, it might be the only time in franchise history the that the organization did not let Claude down. Quite possibly, but either way. So all right, so so game ends. You realize they've won the game, and yes, everybody starts and goes and does the usual post game stuff. Okay, go. You know, Carter Carter Hart earns the win in the end. He didn't have did he, did he have the greatest game? No, but did he keep him in it enough to win it? Yes, <laughs> did he get the job done? And and let's not act like Nashville's not a really good team like they're no, gonna they're... probably make the playoffs and, absolutely and to be quite honest i mean outside of like hart that night gave up a goal to phil myers that hit a shin pad on the way in because <laughs> of course phil myers scored. Well, right, come but, on now but that hit a shin pad on the way in so that's not his fault it does change direction as much as everybody wants to say he wishes he had it back probably and i know that he does but still um right. He does because he's a perfectionist. The tip play on the power play by Johansson's not an easy one to stop. I mean, and then you try stopping Philip Forsberg between the legs with the rebound. Like, right. come on. And so he he did really well for a team that's got a lot of skilled players and, and kept them in a position to win the game, and, and they were doing enough to keep them in a position to win the game. Sure. Um, so after they go and greet Carter Hart the way that they typically do, the line starts to form near Claude Giroux. Yeah. He stands back by the bench and usually just handshakes everybody. And it wasn't handshakes this time. This was hug watch. Like this Bear hugs. A lot of hugs. and Special hugs, and too. Not just a, hey, we won hugs. hugs. Like right. these, these were hugs with some, some, some meaning behind it. Right. And they, so they give him a lot of hugs and all this stuff. And he gets all that. And then they basically give him the tap on the rear end. Like, all right, go. Take a go, lap, kid. Go take Come your, on. Go take a victory lap. And he goes out and he takes his lap, and he he basically didn't even really take a full on lap. He kind of just did a quick circle around the center ice circle, but you and know what? Back, no, and then turned back around and wanted to go off, and that, that was where he wanted to go and kind of be done with it. And then two seconds later, he was back on the ice again for a curtain call. And then they dro- they grabbed, you know, they did three stars. He was the first star of the game, of course, and of course, and and that was the end of it. Like he was the first star of the game, and he went up the tunnel, and that was. And for that given moment, like that, that was good closure for for fans who at that point don't see anything else. That felt right for Claude Giroux. Right. Like once he goes off the ice, that's the end of what everybody mostly gets to see. The rest of us at that point, because, you know, and we've talked about like my experiences down there and things like that. When a game's over, we get up and go. Right. 
Like, we got to go do post game, right? Right. You're hustling down to the locker room. For five minutes, nobody moved. We just sat there and watched because we knew yep. he's going to get a moment to salute the fans. They gave him another one because he gave, did the curtain call. We all waited until they were all, all off the ice and then started to head downstairs. And we got downstairs, and most of the post-game press conferences, this is my read on everything. I didn't even really pick up on it in the moment. I did, it after, I did later when I wrote an article about what was said. Mike Yo said something along the lines of stuff about what, like, he did this or, like, stuff that he would do. Whatever. And he goes, but that's what makes G, like, makes Claude, a, a, that's why Claude is. And he goes, has been a great captain. Yeah. And past tense came into play. And you go, it's not oh. is a great captain. Right. And it was, yep. oh, okay. And then, again, you see the, the next round comes in, and I think it was Kevin Hayes and Joel Farabee came in. And they seemed as good as they could be. They talked about him. They, they knew what the main subject was going to be. Sure. And then they brought Carter Hart in with, I wish I could remember who, uh, Sandheim, Travis Sandheim. And Carter Hart looked like he had broken down after the whole thing. He probably like, did. He looked like he had just had so, so much emotion that he couldn't even contain it and he was still recovering from it. And, you know, it, it's tough to always, it's kind of tough to read that stuff sometimes when it's so close to post game and they haven't really sometimes had a full chance to, you Take know. it all in. Well, to also kind of recover from the game itself, too. You're competing. Right. You know, redness in your face and, like, being a little winded or whatever does not always mean you, like, you know, it can right. be you're tired. So I don't want to say that that's what happened, but you could tell there was a moment. He got the he got the starter jacket after Claude did. Got the starter obviously. jacket. So there was obviously a moment. I, I you know I, what I wanted desperately over the course of the weekend was a video of that exchange. I hope we see it eventually because and... because they did that when Wayne Simmons was going to go get traded, and they had this whole thing where someone tried to give it to Claude. He said, "No, I don't want it. It's, Jake deserves it." And Jake grabbed it and goes, "I was going to give it to somebody else too. It's got to go to Simmons." Yeah. And they gave it to Simmons, and there was this whole thing. And and, and you watched them as they kept telling him, "Whatever happens, yep, like it doesn't yeah, matter. Right. Whatever the, happens." And the only thing that I wanted stuck, that. the big thing that stuck in my mind, kind of over this whole thing, I've made some some allusions to the 2019 Stadium Series. Mm-hmm. From that Wired special that they did a couple weeks afterward, the game ends. Flyers win in overtime. First thing Claude Giroux does is he skates up to Wayne Simmons. Whatever happens, I love you. Yeah. And, and I know. Yeah, and there was probably a lot of that to go around on that night. You could see it. And it caught me by surprise. You could see it in Kevin Hayes. You could see it in just it, these guys who have, I mean, even some guys who haven't been around quite as long. You know, Kevin Hayes, only a couple of years, you know, spent most yeah. of his career elsewhere. Cam Atkinson looked like he was really kind of torn up about the whole thing. Cam Atkinson uh, said he's one of the really good friends he's made. They became very close in about six months' time just by his well, quick, sure. and recent when Cam, arrival. And when Cam Atkinson comes in, he's not coming in thinking, oh, you know, this is going to be my captain for the first half a season. You know, they're they're trying to come in and win and be a good team. And, you know, and if the Flyers are good, they're not trading Claude Giroux right now. So I we, we heard some stuff that came out. The Flyers put out a lot of content in the days leading up to this game. Yeah. Um, and that really, honestly, that more than anything kind of hit home to me that they weren't planning on a thousand and one. Yeah. They pulled out all the stops. We got every tribute on planet well, earth from the flyers and the surrounding media. And well, so let, let me follow that with like, uh, so I've talked about everybody who's come in to talk after the game, except for the man himself. Yeah. 
And he comes in, and, and the best way I can put it, and I think I tweeted this with the exact words, he would have talked to us all night if he could have. Like, he honestly didn't look like he had any intention of getting up, per se. He didn't have a lot of words for it, but he didn't seem like he wanted to stop either. Like, it seemed like he was soaking in the moment. He was soaking in the moment, but he was also sitting there kind of reflecting on the fact that even something like that, because, you know, players don't have to love the media side of this and having to sit in front of people and take Hi, Jake. Hi, Jake. How you doing? But, but my point being, even that's something that you sit there and go, if you know what's coming, you're even soaking that in a little bit because you go, yep. you know what? 15 years of doing this, a lot of familiar faces over that time. Yeah. I'm like, not, I, I, that, even that's something you go. I'll miss that. You know, like he's sitting there soaking. He was really sitting there soaking it all in. And he, his last answer, pretty much his final words in Philadelphia. He he sits there and talks about the fact that when Wayne Simmons got traded, he's been through that. He's watched a lot of guys come and go. And he goes, I knew, I knew it was tough. I didn't know it was this tough. Yep. And. By the time we walked out of the room, we, we hadn't even gotten on the – we were barely on the elevator to go back upstairs. And we already had found out he wasn't on the plane. Right. We knew he wasn't going to play. And at that way. point in time, you went, you walked away from it going, well, that was it. it. That was his last media availability it. as a Philadelphia Flyer. Right. And it's funny because I've talked – I think I've talked about this before. I don't really like to go in there and – and I, I'm not saying I did this specifically with this, but I don't go in there and force questions just to get my voice heard. Right. But when he's sitting in front of you and you know it's the last time after a you, you want to get your question. Eight, yeah, and you've been doing it for eight years. I, I got to get one more in there for you. I just you know just to sit there and have a, a little exchange for you know for my own sentimental value because it might be the last one. Sure, and you, know? and you actually I will shout this out here. You you made a really nice post on your Facebook and included a lot of really really great pictures, including Very some quality, things. including some. Quality scrum lurkers content with uh with Claude. I pulled up one of them as I was trying to make that, and I'm going. There was one. I I think it was 2015. I don't remember, but I sit there and go, "Baby Claude and baby me, Jeez. baby Kevin." Like, yep. Like holy smokes, that like, look how young both. Like, I think I said it on the show before, like a couple weeks ago, where I'm like. You know, he he looks like the oldest thirty four year old you've ever seen because of how much well, he's, he's been through. Well, right, he's played for this team for the last decade. Right. He played so for he, Dave Haxtall for three right. years. So I look at a picture like that from like seven years ago, and you go, "Man, look how young he looks still. Look how like, and then look how everybody else looked. Yep, like it's and been pretty crazy. At that point, he's what about a year off the uh, the MVP snub, twenty fifteen. Uh, no, the MVP snub was. Was that the next year? Or was that twenty sixteen? Uh, 2018 was the year he didn't get it. Really? 15, uh, no, not 15. Maybe it wasn't 15. Because I'm trying to, it, he, 2012, he was a finalist and didn't win. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, okay. And in 2018, he should have been a finalist. Yeah, but Anze Kopitar got nominated for some reason. He, he, <laughs> beyond that. So Anyway. No, and I, I just wanted to reflect on that at that given moment. Because, like, yes, the trade happens. I have my thoughts on what they got back. I had my thoughts on the way that his whole career had gone. I had my thoughts on management. It took me a long time to write the article with everything in my head the way that I probably wanted to process it. I, I, I can assure you that between Saturday evening into Sunday, I, I was sure glad we didn't do a show on Sunday because, because like, and as we're doing a show now and it's, 
you know, the deadline is now seven hours in the past and theoretically you know, over barring of getting of getting dad and off and whatever's going on with that yeah, situation. That yeah, that one's wild. But either way, um, no, no, no. Besides, the wild got flurry. Yes, I know. <laughs> who, who apparently is already backing up tonight, which is pretty crazy. Sure. Stuff. But either way, um, Flyers legend Cam Talbot. But either way, like as you know, now that it's seven hours in the books, pretty much like I'm on the home stretch. I'm doing this and did OMB podcast like an hour ago. Yep. Seriously, for like I did like an hour with them that started at 730 and we just went from there. So that lasted for a little while. And then, you know, I had I had a spot on 97.3 today for a few minutes. I had, you know, Chuck Fletcher's press conference from today was one of the things. I wrote up Claude Giroux's introductory press conference in Florida. Like, that was weird, man. Like, while all while, you know, like, I'm keeping track of the other stuff. They made two more trades today that we're going to get into. Like, yep. a lot of things are happening. So, yeah, I, like, I haven't exactly slept a whole lot <laughs> in the last few days. So, it took a while for me to process, like, my feelings of the trade in general. But in that given moment, as I'm posting all those pictures... It was just, and I, I did post the same message on Twitter as I kind of had to edit it down a little bit to fit the character limit and stuff. And I, di I didn't include all of the pictures because I didn't want to make two, I didn't want to make three photo posts basically. But nonetheless, like the point, the point of the whole post was, listen, I was lucky enough to cover half of the guy's career. You yep. know, I, I got I got the jersey that's behind my shoulder this time, which I swapped out the usual one that's in my backdrop for this. Yep. And this also the, you got the poster up there. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel. Uh, search You Would Think. You can find us. Yeah. Watch our But episodes. the reason I have the jersey here is because I'm pretty sure, you know, at least from where I'm sitting, I'm looking at a monitor right now that has the has what's on my screen on it. You know, for what's on camera on it. I think you can see that there's something across the eight there. Yep. Oh, we do okay. see that. Yep. And the reason being is because before I covered the guy – I was just like everybody else. I was a fan of this team, and I was a fan of him as a player, obviously. So, you know, you got to remember something. His career starts when he's 20 years old, so I was 16. Yep. I'm watching him as a 16-year-old, and, like, of course I'm a fan of his. I'm not doing anything like this yet. And then, you know, do I have way more respect for him now, and have I had interactions with him and things like that? Yeah, absolutely I have. And does it make it different because I got to do that? Sure it does. Yeah. And yeah, you and, have a, you have a perspective that not many people get to have. No, yeah. I, I was going to mention that one of my biggest um, regrets of the Claude Giroux era. I was lucky enough to go to two or three uh, Flyers Wives carnivals, and I never bit the bullet and waited in the line for Claude. I took it for granted. I went with yeah. guys with shorter lines. I went with guys who were a little more available. I so, never bit the bullet and waited the 45 minutes or whatever it would have taken to have so back, a face-to-face -face conversation sure. with Claude. So back when I was yeah. doing that type of stuff before, again, before doing all this, I remember going and getting it's this jersey signed at a carnival. because, And I didn't even have, like, usually, and they haven't done a carnival for a little while, obviously, with COVID and all that stuff. But oh, right. They used, to, like, they pretty much usually, for players like that, pre-sell their autographs and pictures and all that stuff like because they know people want it and they're basically going to pre-sell it so they can control the amount of people that they have to deal with in a window that they and have, you have to, to. Right. For whatever reason, the year that like, – and I, it might have been something that happened for several years before that, that went into place much more seriously, I guess. They did like extend a line for like, hey, listen, if you don't have the prepaid ticket, you can pay to get – something signed we'll just we have to cut the line at a certain point right like we'll get to as many as we can in the window and that's how i got the jersey signed awesome because we made that window and 
I, I, it might have been the only line I waited in for an autograph. Like later on, I had other stuff signed, you know, and things like that. Actually, I'm trying to remember exactly how the whole thing went because at some point in time, I, it, you know, at, at this point in time, it's buried away in a closet somewhere for now, and it's got and it's got some pretty interesting signatures on it that from a team of like five years ago that you would like laugh about now. Man, but, I, I got a jersey with some pretty interesting signatures on it too. We'll have to compare. But it over the day. course, but over the course of time, my you know, then girlfriend, wife at the t- wife now, like shout out Mrs. Durso. <laughs> we we just went around with two mini helmets and just started getting anybody we could get to sign it. And I'm pretty sure, in terms of long tenured players, the one I have has a good number on it because Claude Giroux is on it. So is Jake Voracek. Nice. So is Wayne Simmons. So nice. is Sean Couturier. Nice. I mean, there's you have the whole players. 2010s core basically because those four players, to me, yeah. are your core from that 2012 yeah. team on. Yeah, and you got to realize those were the guys who like you're talking about guys who were here starting in like 2012, 2013, yep. 20 like and. I started covering the team somewhere around like 2014, 15-ish was when, was the first season I really started going down. But right. even then, it's like, you know, I wasn't going every night. I wasn't exactly doing it the way I'm doing it now. So there was a point where I cut myself off from that. And I'm like, listen, I'm I'm in front of them way more frequently. I'm not going to stuff like that anymore. Right. You, you kind of crossed that line from fan to reporter. Yes, exactly. Right. So. All that's all well good, and like you know, that's the thing. Like, he, you know, he he's always going to be that kind of player for a lot of people. That and that's one of the tough parts about the way that this ends. It it yep. is the end of an era. It's the end of an era that a lot of people grew up with. That it's it, this is the last player of that grouping that we're talking about. Your Wayne yep. Simmons, your Jake Warcheck. People are going to sit there and go, you know, maybe you can throw Sean Couturier in that, I guess, but still. Sean Couturier represents so much more of the last five years than he oh. did the like the 2012 season. Right. To think about like, you know, a guy who came in when Mike Richards and Jeff Carter are flyers, and he's going out <sighs> when Joel Farabee and Carter Hart are flyers. Right. And, like the man played with Yarmir Yager and also Joel Farabee. Right. <laughs> They're a complete generation apart. Exactly. So even though Yager's still somehow playing hockey, but right. whatever. So I, so I did just want to when I made the post, just reflect on the fact that like I, I got to cover half the guy's career and watch him for the other half as a fan and be fascinated with the way he did play for a lot of those years and and things like that. And I just felt like you just you need to just sit there and say, Listen, we gotta salute the guy. Yep. First and foremost. And I, and that's why I even said like I keep saying when it came to the trade and the return of the trade and I'll switch the tab over to like the ultimate end of this because we're kind of off of the night of the game yeah. and on to and back onto the weekend. Like, don't I just don't like people making him out to be a villain? Like he owed them something and that they didn't get enough in return because of him. Right? I, is that partially true? Yes, they didn't get enough in return for what you think Claude Drew is worth because he only would go to one team. That is so, part of the reason why the return is what it is. But he's not a villain for that. No. And here's how I look at it. Claude Drew gave this organization more than a decade, a full decade as captain, and right. ate a whole bunch of BS for being the captain, too. Mm-hmm. You know that as well as anybody. I know your comment section's filled with, oh, the captain, whatever. I, I understand. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people who lose their, who are losing their angle on what they don't like about the team because he's not here anymore. Right. And if you he... know, those are probably the same people that didn't like Jake either. You know, like that would always say it's Jake Voracek's fault. It's the way they should have done this five years ago. You're losing your angles either way because, yes, you can argue that you can argue that Claude Giroux should have been approached four years ago about this. Yep. You can argue it. I'm not trying to say you can't. But you know what else the problem with that is? Is that he had the no-move clause then. He could have said, I don't want to do this anyway. And there's three years left in his deal. And you find a team who's taken on three years of that contract. Three years at $8 million. Because right. you can't it retain salary happening. at that point. You made, a, you made a mess of the situation by... Well, right. That's you know, that's that what I was going to get into. Like, If you think Claude Giroux failed the organization by refusing to go anywhere but Florida and killing Chuck Fletcher's trade leverage, blah, blah, blah. Whatever you want to say. If you think... Claude Giroux failed this organization. A, you're wrong, but whatever. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. Think about what the franchise did for him. This man managed to put up 900 points, second all-time in your franchise. Played 1,000 games in your uniform, also 1,000 games, or also second in your franchise history. Right. And what did you give him? You gave him a decade where he, he didn't have a starting goalie. I know Steve Mason was okay. He had a couple good years. I know he's had Carter Hart over the last couple of years, blah, blah, blah. But the best chance you've given him in the last decade since that 2012 series, the best chance you gave him was bubble hockey. Yeah. Like, we're talking Chris Vandevelde on the roster, Michael Raffle as a first liner, Andre Mazaros is a first-pair defenseman. Braden Coburn, before he got good. Antero Nitamaki in net. What are we doing here? You think Claude Giroux failed this organization? Buddy, check yourself. Well, because one The organization player, failed Claude. Right, because one player doesn't win the whole thing. Right. Claude That's Giroux can't go out there and sign free agents. Claude Giroux can't go out there and draft well. Claude Giroux can't go out there and make trades. But what we got for 10-plus years with Claude Giroux is 110% effort all of the time. Okay. Well, and here's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying, like, he gave you, mo- you know, pretty much every night he gave you as much of an effort as he could for what he was able to do at the time. And, and for large stretches of time had superstar ability and was giving you right. superstar production. So the other part of it for me or another part of it for me that's, you know, like, that needs to be talked about because uh, look, I agree with all of this stuff. We do need to talk about part of what kind of happened or what the story is that happened because, you know, there's been a report that he wanted a handshake agreement that they would bring him back in the offseason to move him. And that was the ticket to I'll, ta- I'll let you talk to more teams. Something that I'll Pat Persona has since denied, by the way. He's denied it. Drew didn't give any details. He's not and, going to. No, I know. And. And Fletcher said he didn't need it either. Right. Now, that being said, I didn't believe Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For what? And well, no, do you want to know the reason? Because within 90 minutes of the trade being reported, not formally announced, but reported, I had a text that basically said he, there's zero chance he comes back. <sighs> That's heartbreaking. But that said there's zero chance, and it, it had everything to do with that exact scenario. Right. So... And it's it came from somebody who has filled me in with information before that this is a is reliable not, source that is not always completely accurate, but always on the right track. Like, well, there's there's I, details that come out that like enough details that are right that I go, OK, 
you know, I, I buy this. I'm, I might be pushing this a little bit, but if this turns out to be true, if you're not willing to give the Cla- Claude Giroux the assurance that, hey, there's a spot for you here if you want it, I might not be the first person to say this, but Chuck Fletcher needs to go. As far as I'm concerned, not – so I'm not – and it all depends on how the conversation happened, right? If Claude comes in and says, oh, I want $8 million, I want to re-sign my same contract, blah, 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 then I understand where Chuck Fletcher's coming from. But if Claude Giroux asked, hey, is there a spot for me here next year, and Chuck Fletcher said no, that right. is organizational malpractice. I don't think – okay, so this is where my theory comes into this a little bit. I don't think Chuck Fletcher's the one who denied him a spot next year per se. I think that when I think we have to go back and revisit the midseason press conference where Chuck Fletcher was supposed to address the media solo and Dave Scott joined him. And Dave Scott gave a list of who he called the core and did not include Claude Drew in that core. Right. And I think that the higher ups turned around and said, It's time, new era, new chapter, turn the page, he gone. And <sighs> I think that Chuck just ends up being the fall guy in a the lot patsy. of Patsy. Yeah. Well, because of the fact that at the end of the day, what happens to anybody else? If he's the fall guy, then the same people who we continue to discuss, because pull, pull up the front office list of hockey operations on the Flyers' website. I don't need to because it stops after two names for me. You know what they are, and I know you're uh, right, so say them. Robert Earl Clark and Paul, whatever his middle name is, Holmgren. You should have just said you, you didn't need to say whatever his middle name is, but you got the two right. And, That's and, it. And, and like, what, those, and, uh, those are the two guys. No, and for what it's worth, they were both there on Sunday. Yep, they were both. Uh, they were both there on Thursday. Well, yes, but okay, but see, if you want to say they're both there on Thursday, and the whole goal is we're honoring Claude Drew's career. <sighs> Man, I know. No, no, no. That I respect because he's the second guy to get to a thousand. Bobby Clark should be there for this as the second as the <sighs> other guy. No, I'm so be. sour on Bobby Clark right now. No, I he, really am. Okay, listen. Here's where I'm trying to go with this. Like I'm yeah. saying, if Bobby Clark is the hey, pop your head out and do the ceremony, present Claude with a silver stick, go out and shake some hands, you're fine. Yep. It's the fact that he's up in the box. And it's something that people in this in that city, I say that city because I don't no longer live in it, otherwise I would have said this city. People in the city of Philadelphia have been saying it for basically since the Eric Lindros thing. Bobby Clark, the player, love him. Bob right. Clark, the executive, eh, not so much. Right. Now, and, and here's the thing, though. There's people, though, that look at Clark and look at Holmgren and go, you know what, though? They contended more often than not with them because of the fact that they were willing to go and get. Is contending good enough? Well, uh, no, but see, that's okay. So again, my argument with where they are right now is, and I based everything off of this. I don't even. I think we had a chance to talk about this on the last show, and that was the kind of precursor to everything that came up. But it really set the stage for all of this, which is when you sign an extension with Rasmus Ristolainen, which is not about the player for me. It's about the money and the years that you just tied up when he was a perfectly reasonable candidate to be moved at the deadline to send your team further into the right direction that everybody feels like you should go with instead of the idea of accepting. We called the last episode perfectly average because yep. that's what they're accepting. And Claude Giroux walked into a room today to be introduced with a new team. 
that is going to truly contend. And he knows it. And he knows what he's playing with. And he's excited for it because he knows it. And we heard him say it. He said he feels like he's a, giggling like a school child because he gets to play with Alexander Barkov. And I said something in the group chat. Who is the last? I don't know if Claude Giroux has ever played with a player of the quality of Alexander Barkov. And I think Alex Barkov is the best line mate he's had since Daniel Briere. And when did Danny Briere leave? 2014. Okay. So when I talk about the organization failing Claude Giroux, that's what I'm talking about. But, and that's what I mean. It's You're talking about basically the duration of his captaincy because the last good line he truly – not well, I don't want to take away from Danny Briere, but – the last time he played on a line that was really formidable that had the league on notice was him, Yager, and Hartnell. Right. And to be fair, I don't want to take away from Jake Voracek. He played with Jake Voracek for a very long time. They did very productive things. Right. But they never but had not the on the superstar piece. quality. Right. They ne- well, and that's the point. They never had the third yep. piece that, that where you go, you know, as much as I know that there's people who don't like the nickname, they never were a perfection line. They never were McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen. Right. You know, they never had the third piece. Nope. So that's part of the problem, too. So that's and that's again, it's why I don't want him painted as a villain in this. And and that's the thing is you can argue about who who stir who's the straw that stirs the drink on the perfection line. Patrice Bergeron, Marsha and Pasternak, whatever. Same thing about that McKinnon, Ranton and Landis Cog line. You can argue about who's the straw that stirs the drink. There was never a question in Philadelphia. Claude Giroux is your best player. Right. Until the last three or four years when Sean Couturier has kind of emerged as an elite offensive threat in the league to some extent. But that's then the it. Last, yeah, and then, but see, then the last two years take place and Couturier is not healthy enough during it. So now he's not your best player. Right. And right. Sorry, why, lot, why is that, Kevin? Come on, give me what the best ability is. Availability. All right, we love it. Speaking of which, and I didn't even mention it on the uh, when I did OMB for a second, but you know um, Ryan Ellis is officially done for the year, so his availability was a whopping four games out of the year. But we saw him at the thousand game ceremony, so we know he's alive. I could have told you he was alive earlier than that. He's actually been in the press box multiple times. It, sure, but man, he for exists. people for people who aren't in the press box. Certainly seems like Ryan Ellis doesn't exist. I hear you, but that was so. That was the thing with Rista, like the Rista line and extension for me was that it made an acceptance of average. It didn't feel like like now you're going to move on from Giroux, but you're not going to have any cap space. Yep, because you're going to retain half the salary on Giroux anyway. Yeah, that disappears at the end of the year. That's great, but you just gave away four, uh, gave away five point one million next year for a guy who doesn't exactly move the needle all that much. No. So what happens now? And if he does move the needle, it's not in the correct direction. I wouldn't say that. Like, uh, listen, no, I, I, I'm trying to be reasonable. Like, I'm sitting here saying he's fine. He is a fine player. Sure. But that's accepting fine. I'll take fine across the board. And I don't. And, and I, listen, I don't want to. Like, the funny part was is that Sunday was one of the most well-rounded games they've played. As if, I, and I don't know if that's the Claude Giroux effect in terms of like, hey, the trade was done, the wait is gone. You know, let's go well, play. Well, the Flyers are undefeated in the Owen Tippett era. For sure. You want me to bring that up first instead, and then we'll go to the other two deals? No, I actually – we did talk about Tippett a little bit earlier. Yeah, I, I know, do, but I kind of was going to go into more – well, did, yeah, because I did want to go into more detail on him later, but let's go to the other two deals so we can wipe them, all, wipe them out because this is pretty simple stuff, and I already mentioned the returns, so we might as well just hit this really quick. Yeah, these are both kind of tidy little deals where you got some value at the deadline for expiring assets. 
I'm going to run through these real quick. Justin Braun to the Rangers for a 2023 third-round pick and Derek Broussard at half salary for some reason. For a 2023 fourth-round pick, the Flyers retain $412,000 on Broussard. But, hey, Edmonton can't afford a whole lot more than that. Right. So I guess it makes sense. And that's that's probably how you get it up to a fourth-round pick. Right. So anyway, so with Braun, the market started to dry up because a lot of defensemen were – already moved a lot of buying teams found their defense well the place that he was most likely to go was going to probably be either toronto or the rangers and toronto got mark Giordano on sunday and that kind of <laughs> they sure that did out. and that that, that kind of wiped that out so braun really you know it's not that not even that braun only had one destination he could go to it's not like he only had one destination he could go to but the rangers needed to do something yeah because they had been and scary quiet up to that point i mean the only deal they Honestly, had made up to that point was frank vetrano so they got a couple pieces on deadline day that Fill out the lineup. It makes it look better, and and he get he does get a chance. He's gonna go play playoff hockey. We know that. And you know what? If your th- if your right side is Fox Truba Braun, well, exactly. You're in pretty good shape. I'm not gonna lie. Right. And is Justin Braun a top four defenseman in the NHL? No. Is he serviceable to good? In third pair minutes, <laughs> yeah, he sure is. He, I would even venture to go higher than that for a third pairing role. I would say he's almost great in a third pairing role because of the I agree, especially but, when you can limit his minutes by playing well, Fox and Truba as no, much and, as you can. And the reason I'm calling him great in a third pairing role is because this season was entirely predicated on the fact that he did not even play in a third pairing role all year. He played right. top pair, and he still played. And he, he played had a solid well. season. Yeah, and he played well. He was on you know, a bad team. I, I would say the second best defenseman on the team this year behind Travis Sanheim. Overall, I, I would agree with you. Yeah. So, like we said, those are kind of nice, tidy pieces and if of business. You, and if you want me to sum up the trades in general, just like give a quick little tell you what, because because the Drew, the Drew trade turns into this too. They got what they could. Yeah, you had absolutely. you didn't have leverage in you didn't have leverage for Drew. You did have some leverage for Braun and Broussard. For Broussard got you more than I expected. I thought Broussard was going to get you like a fifth because that was the Raffle deal a year ago. Edmonton desperately needed a, a center. Okay, so they get him for a fourth, which is fine. Yep. And it's actually better than I thought. I, I called it a solid return. And, yeah. Braun, and Braun, that's about what was expected. Would you have loved a second pick? Would you have loved maybe for it to be a second instead of a third round pick? Sure. But, but you know this what? is as good as you could do, and it's, it's going to have to do. You paid a second and a third for Justin Braun, what, three seasons ago? Yeah, you did. And and he pretty much lived up to every bit of that. Yep. I was going to say, I don't have any, I don't take any exception to what Justin Braun did as a Philadelphia Flyer. I know I was critical of him from time to time. I think I even criticized the trade. We talked about it here on this show. Right. But well, you know what? He was a good soldier. He but did you know, what he was asked. And and do you want to know what, for two seasons in particular, this one and the and the previous one, when things are going horrifically wrong and it's not looking good, he, he was, was a rock of, of stability. No but, no, but he was one of the few that escaped like the heavy, heavy criticisms. Sure. Like there was a like last season, there was a lot of focus on Sanheim Myers and Oof. a lot of focus on, you know, hey, look, it looks like Provrov took a step back. He doesn't have a true partner and, you know, all of that type of stuff. And this season, it was less, there was way less on Braun again. There was way less on Sanheim this time. There was no Phil Myers to go to, you know, like things like that. Provrov kind of still. He's been bearing the brunt of it. 
Yeah, and that's the way it is. And well, and certainly when I guess, you know, like last season was Eric Gustafson, this season Keith Yandel, it's like there's enough guys to take the attention away from a guy like Braun where you go, even if he makes a mistake, yeah, we can call him out for a bad mistake, but it doesn't happen frequently. Right. Yeah, no, he like I said, Justin Braun was solid. And, I, you know, if this team was good this year, I think Derek Broussard would have been a solid piece too. I oh, think yeah. If if we come into a world where you have a healthy Sean Couturier and a healthy Kevin Hayes and Derek Broussard is your third line center, yeah. from what we saw of him this year, I think he would have been very solid in that third line role. Sure, absolutely. He, he certainly, no offense to Patrick Brown, but he certainly would have been a better third line center than Patrick Brown. <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. So we didn't get any other movement. Uh, we talked... I don't remember if it was on the last show or off mic uh, about the a couple other names. You know, Keith Yandel ended up not moving. He had a no trade clause. I don't even know if there were any whispers about that. Um, I don't think no. so. Right? No, there was no market. For, you want to know what? I, I got asked this when I did OMB, and I'll answer it here because you're kind of veering into it a little bit. Yeah. There was no market, and I think there was no market for two reasons. One, obviously, he's not being, good. Right. One being performance. Two. You know, the team that's going to acquire him wants to be the team that starts to play into the streak thing. Right. Who wants you know, to bear that burden? With all due respect, because the Flyers are probably going to play him for the rest of the year, and he's going to They're going to the resign him, aren't they? No, they're not. I can't. No, I can't see them resigning him. Because they're going to also have a chance to, you know, first of all, you have to ask yourself, you know, number one, if... If you plan to move a defenseman at, at, in the offseason in some way, and if you are, which of the two is it going to be? Or is it both, or is it one or the other? Like, what's your plan with Ivan Provrov and Travis Sanheim? I don't right. think Sanheim should be going anywhere because of the fact that, first of all, have you uh, seen the level of confidence he plays with lately? <laughs> he has been good. Like, he has not just been okay. He's been your best defenseman Does over the last like couple a- of weeks. Does that look like a defenseman you build around? Um, not like not as your number one. I'm not saying that, but does, do you build a team with him in mind? I think it depends on what you want to do with Provorov. Well, and I say again, and I say that because I think Travis Sandheim in a top four role is going to be excellent. I think if you try to put in a, him in a situation where he's playing top two minutes, you're asking too much out of him. Okay, and I, I agree. I'm not sitting here trying to vault him to a number one. I'm just right. like I'm not saying build around him like he's your cornerstone defenseman. I'm, I'm saying, comfortable not trading him. I'm comfortable right. keeping I'm saying, him on the team. Yeah. Right. That's certainly. my point. He's not a guy I move on from. He's not a guy that I say, you know, change your mind about where he's like what he's going like gonna do or whatever. Like and he's giving you enough that you have a piece that you can keep on the roster that you know starting you're starting to know what to expect. Provorov yeah. is a little different because Provorov has been plateauing, kind of taking a dip in his play, you know, things like that. Now, here's the key for him, and this is going to factor into, like, because you ask, like, would they really re-sign Yandel? And you kind of, like, for me to say no, you think that that's a little bit, like, you, cause, and I get it. They have tendencies. Right. I know. If if they, obviously, if they move Ivan Provorov, then things are a little bit of a different story because you have spots to fill. Right, But if you do decide, and I do think that this is a case, because I've said on the show before, um, that just a gut feeling of mine, I've had it for months and months and months on, and I can't remember when I first brought it up. It might have been November, it might have been December, I don't remember. 
But I've said before, to me, gut feeling, Travis Konechny's getting moved in the offseason. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot uh, outside the show. So the way I just described it, and, and again, because it was brought up on OMB when I did the show tonight, um, is I described it as Ivan Provorov might get next season the way Travis Konechny got this season. Hey, okay. we like, hey, we could have moved you, but we're giving you one more shot. Here's here's my read on where Ivan Provorov's at. Right. The one year that he had a competent partner was the best he ever looked. Right. You're, you're going I, into my territory of where I was going to go with it, so please right. continue. I was a big, massive, over-the-top Ivan Provorov fan. You can ask anybody. Friend of the show, Dom, knows. <laughs> I am a massive. I was a massive, massive, massive Ivan Provorov fan for a very long time. I have his stadium series, the the black stadium series jersey, yes. Provorov's number. Got that one. I, I don't think he is a number one Nicholas Lidstrom, Chris Pronger cornerstone of your franchise defenseman. That's fair. I think he is a very, very, very good number two. Okay. And like I said, the year he played with Matt Niskanen was probably the best Ivan Provorov we saw. Uh, the years he's played with Andrew McDonald and various other mediocre defensemen, he has struggled. I don't necessarily think he can carry a pairing. Um, I agree with kind of where you're at. I give him one more year. Hopefully that includes a healthy Ryan Ellis to play next to, or at very least maybe Travis Sandheim continues to grow and we try Provorov Sandheim as a pairing again because it worked so great the first twenty eight times we tried it. Oh, twenty eight. Oh, that was oof. Sorry. Um, I I don't know. I I don't think he's a franchise guy. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so and, and this is kind of where I'm at with with the comparison to Konechny because. Konechny was told he could have said, like they could have moved him last offseason. And they gave him a vote of confidence. Like, we know you're better than that. We know that you have that like level of production in you. We know you have that next level. We expect you to bounce back. Right. And he didn't. So, <laughs> you know, for them, like he's not on a good production pace. You know, now I will credit him for Sunday's game. He looked about as engaged as I as I've seen him in a long time. Yeah. So that's good. But I think and I think with Provrov, the key with Provrov when you say we're gonna give you one more year. You're giving him the year to play with the partner he was supposed to have this year. You know, right. you hope. So if that's what it is, then I think that that's fair. Now, the other angle of this is that I don't think that they're necessarily, you know, opposed to moving Provorov in the offseason. If they do get, like, wowed by sure. a trade offer. Like, if they're going to – if somebody's going to give you something legitimately – next level that you kind of didn't expect where you were the team that people are like, Hey, yeah, you won the trade. Then you, you don't have a reason not to move that guy, but I don't think you just do it because you feel like you want to move the guy. Like this can't be a just because thing. This needs to be a legitimate hockey trade. A la Jake Voracek, Cam Atkinson kind of deal. And I'm not saying Cam Atkinson was above, like above and beyond what like he could have been, but he was exactly as advertised. Absolutely. You, you definitely need to make hockey trades like that. So, right, and and I think Travis uh, Travis Konechny and then Ivan Provorov in about a year or so, like you're talking about, 
are prime candidates for the change of scenery trade. Yes. And I would say that you know, those are the, the only ones I can think of at the moment. Like the only other guy who you, who are, who's going to be talked about on a fairly regular basis is, you know, James Anarim's like, because I think James Anarim's like, they have two, two directions they can try to go with him. And it's going to be one or the other. They're either going to try to trade his contract or part of his contract to a team that is willing to inherit to it. To an Arizona you know, or a Seattle basically. or someone yeah. with a lot of cap space and just kind of needs, right. Needs right. Bodies. Or, right. Or they buy him out. It's pretty much it, to me. It's pretty much that. I mean, I yep. would be very, very, very surprised if they just decided to ride it out into next season and either approach this at next year's trade deadline or actually yep. rode out the entire season with him and just let him go. I would be very surprised if they did that. I agree, and and I think you're going to see Chuck try to find a buyer for him. You know, if you can yeah. find somebody who's willing to take the whole contract, if you can find somebody who's willing to try maybe a change of scenery type move on a JVR. Because, I mean, this is a guy who has scored, I mean, he's put up some significant seasons. He, right. he has the ability to sit net front on a power play and get close to 40. Yeah. Right? We've seen it. So, so maybe you see Chuck, you know, blow wind up somebody's butt and get, you know, get him to take JVR and get a swap back and just convince him it's a trade of scene or whatever you need to do. But I, I agree. I don't think... There are a lot of paths that end in JVR being a flyer next season. Okay, so to finish out kind of where we are and to move forward, yeah. because this is all the deadline stuff. We've talked about a lot of the Drew stuff, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. I'm going to, no, I'm going to this because of the fact that uh, this is the title that we're going to put up on the screen, but I kind of want to talk about the collection that's going to kind of finish out the year. And <laughs> okay. then. And then go from there because you know because if nothing else you have and if you're not watching on our YouTube channel by the way our banner is uh, about Owen Tippett's debut with the Philadelphia Flyers so right. kind of gets I, us into that conversation about who's left right so Owen Tippett was the piece that came back in the Giroux trade and look is it the piece that you want at the center of the deal no it's not you wish you could have done better you wish you could get you mentioned Gregory. I would have liked Denisenko. and I, to be honest I was starting to get really interested in the possibility that this. Michigan, yeah, this Michigan kid, Mackie Samuskevich, was a possibility. And go for it, by all means. You know what I mean? And, you know, okay, so that doesn't happen. And, and when you have no leverage, that's how that, like, that. yeah, that happens. I don't want to just, like, dismiss Tippett and go, he, oh, he's nothing more than a project. Oh, he's never going to amount to anything. I, look, he has not, you know, amounted to, to much at the NHL level yet. He also has basically... For, for the most part, only had the opportunity to try to amount to something at the NHL level while the Florida Panthers have been good. All right, their lineup is stacked. and Especially when you're a forward. Right, and the style he plays, kind of similar to a JVR type, it's not the best suited for a bottom six role. You know, he's not the best defensively. He's not, he's not playing muck and grind hockey all that much like you see in your bottom six right if there's anything that he wants to improve upon you know and kind of develop in his game it's definitely the physical aspect of the game and it's definitely the defensive side right the raw talent is his shot his skating ability because he's not he's not the greatest skater i'm not saying that he is no. a better skater than 
you know, certainly better than other guys who we've heard who kind of are more project skaters, if you will. Um, he does have some playmaking ability because, you know, for, you know, for the one goal that he nearly scored in Sunday's game because he hit the post, he also set up three plays where he could have gotten an assist. Yep. So he's got some good skill to his game. And play he's got ability. some dynamic offensive ability. So for if sure. you want to know the if you want to know the key here with him, especially as the only player actively returning in the deal with that involves, you know, the longest tenured captain in franchise history, it's consistency. And I one of the questions I asked my I asked Mike Yo, I asked Tippett himself. I kind of wondered this out loud as I was watching. He found he found out about the trade the same time we did. It's about six o'clock on Saturday. He finds out about the trade. He gets a flight or they get him a flight into Philadelphia essentially that evening overnight, however you want to look at it. And he's in town. He plays by two o'clock the next afternoon. We're talking like 20 hours after the trade goes down. He's in a game for his new team. Yep. Which means no practice, no systems work, no video, barely time to introduce yourself to the coach. Just go play. Right, and it was an afternoon game. You didn't even have till seven o'clock. You didn't have a regular morning skate. Right. You didn't have nothing. Right. But there was an element of it to me where I go, they just tell him just go play, which means look at the way the raw talent that he does have, the shot, the playmaking, things like. Because he almost is playing like I don't care. They haven't told me anything, so I don't know if I'm doing something wrong. I'm just going to go play. Sure. And I think that what they need to do is find a good balance to develop those areas that he he himself wants to develop. He wants to be a better 200-foot player. Sure. Okay? Develop him in that area. But don't put the reins on the raw talent with the shot and the playmaking and the way he was moving his feet, you know, just in transition or things like that, because that's how he could succeed. Like, that's how he could take this opportunity and run with it because of the fact that he's being given a chance. He started yep. out in the third line right now. I like the combination of him and Morgan Frost, who I also thought had one of his best games I've seen all year, you know, for not being on the score sheet either. And is there a possibility that he could move into the top six and be a second liner? Yeah, I, he, I don't think he'll ever be a top line guy. He's I can't not wait. That kind of player, I can't but. wait to watch Kevin Hayes center Johnny Gaudreau and Owen Tippett. Jeez. Come on. I'm going to let you just enjoy that for a moment. Just enjoy the vision in your head because I don't know about Johnny Gaudreau at this point, but whatever. Aggressive retool. Yeah, I hear you. It would, oh, it would fit the that those words perfectly, but I don't know about him. I'm not going to lie. Having Johnny Gaudreau and Cam Atkinson on the team sounds like a lot of fun. Well, that's – and see, that's the thing. You're sitting here saying Kevin Hayes with Gaudreau and Tippett. I'm saying Kevin Hayes with Cam Atkinson and – you know, and Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, and just got, the you, full and, blown the, the Johnny Gaudreau tampering committee line, baby. Yeah, just throw the BC guys out there, all of them together. You know, and then and then you get to follow it up with. I mean, well, look, they don't have another. Oh, well, no, I mean, then I guess what you're doing is that's your second, and your first is Sean Couturier with Joel Farabee, and you know, Travis Konechny. Well, in, insert player, here. yeah, insert yeah. player here is more. Whoever you trade Travis Konechny for, right? William Nylander. Let's do it. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> to finish up like some of the stuff on all of these guys, like or yeah. some of these guys, because it's not just them right now. Like those are the two guys, Frost and Tippett, that are definitely going to draw some attention. Cam York has had a, a really solid few games, you know, like like a lot of what he's done. By the way, we totally glossed over the fact that in the thousandth game for Claude Drew, 
Cam York scores a power play goal. And, yeah, we and, love and, to see and, that. And, no, and it looked really good. Like he he looks very stable and very comfortable. He's starting to look really good. Yep. And I like that. I like that they're giving him the opportunity. He's he's a guy to watch. Wade Allison's probably going to be up here before you know it. And I did like some of the things from Chuck Fletcher's press conference on Monday when the deadline's over where they've opened up contract slots and they're talking about guys like, you know, he didn't he included Fletcher did included Bobby Brink in the list of right wingers. Nice. As if to say we've got Tippett, we've got Allison, we've got Konechny, we've got, you know, Atkinson, we've got like and he gave like those are the four right now. Right. And then he goes. Well, he mentioned, or I shouldn't say that because Allison wasn't there yet. So we had McEwen in there as the fourth right now. Allison's in the minors, probably coming soon. And we, and then he goes, and he mentions Bobby Brink, and you go, so okay. that sign, so that signing's coming soon because he's obviously, obviously they have intentions to sign him. If you think he's part of your right wing lineup, right? Even if he's if not you're mentioning NHL, his name, right? Even if he's not in the NHL. And by the way, because I checked, Denver has tournament games, Kawaki. This week. Okay. Well, we'll the be point keeping being, an eye on that. Well, because the point being, once he's out, give it like 48 hours. All right. We saw Cam McCarr right. walk straight out of the Frozen Four into an NHL playoff game, basically. Well, right. And it won't be that for him, but it'll be he'll walk straight into the next Phantoms game. Sure. And and he will, you know, that, that ELC will be agreed to. Almost immediately after. I think it's already in the works. Quite frankly, coming down the tail end of a season that isn't going well, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him for two or three games up at the end you, of the season. You might at the end. I agree. Now We saw it out of Sanheim a couple of years ago. I remember he came up right at the end of the season. I think somebody else and there's did a lot of And there's a lot of players they could do this with because yep. you know, Ronnie Adder's another college player right now who's probably going to get signed soon. Noah Cates is still up to be signed. You know, Not to be confused with his brother, Jackson, who's already signed. Yep. Um, otherwise already signed players who can also come back because Tyson Forrester got basically handed the Zade wisdom route, which is okay. You're recovering from a pretty big injury. We're sending you back to junior for the rest of your junior year. And then you can come back to the phantoms after it's over. Yep. And yep. they will be, I see it for sure. They'll come back and they'll finish the year out there too. So you're going to possibly with the phantoms lineup add Bobby Brink, Ronnie Adderd, Noah Cates, you know, and then these two others who are already under contract, you know, yep. there's a lot yep. of pieces like that. So that's, you know, certainly something to watch out for. And, and whatever guys come in, you know, another guy who could get a call up down the line is Tanner Lazinski. He could come back in and play. You know, you've got a lot of a lot of young pieces that you can get a look at. And I think that that's that's the bright spot for the rest of the year is. Sure. What does Owen Tippett give you? What does Morgan Frost give you? And Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost got the distinction from Fletcher of, you know, they've paid their dues at the AHL. We're giving them the rest of the year at the NHL, and they are not going back to the AHL when the season's over. They're right. just getting treated like NHLers for the rest of the year. And I think that's fair. I think, I think you that's need the to right just, call. You need to just see. At this point, you need yep. to see what they can do. And this right. is, What is Morgan Frost at the NHL level? We well, need an extended look at him. And that's why, like, I look at Tippett's first game, and I go – I like just about everything I saw. I almost can't point out anything that was wrong with his first game. But right. will he do that Tuesday? Will he night do that in Thursday? and night out? Will he do it Thursday? Will he do it, you know, maybe not Friday, but can he come back from maybe a, a rough one on Friday because they played Thursday? Will he, he do that every time he pulls on that jersey? Right. Yep. And, you know, 
let's put it this way. We're going to watch this new look line up to an extent because it won't, you know, it, we already were used to it kind of because the only difference from Sunday is Derek Broussard's gone. That's the only difference from the lineup. Yep. They already played without Drew. They played without Braun on Sunday and they, and they won a game. Yep. But, but beyond that, don't expect who, to see that very often. Well, look at who they're going to play coming up. But that's what I'm saying. But, but the point being also, they're going to play tomorrow. They're going to play Tuesday and like, get a game in with that same kind of group pretty much. And then we'll start getting weird if it wasn't weird already, because then on Thursday you don't have a game until eight o'clock at night when the, and you might luck out with this because you're going to the game in St. Louis. So you sure won't am. be home to watch it. But from seven to eight o'clock, a bunch of us can watch Claude Giroux debut with the Florida Panthers against Montreal <sighs> to get a look at him in the Florida Panthers Jersey for the first time. So does like, he score three goals or five? What do we think? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I, you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if he does. Yeah, I, look, you know what? In fairness, I, I don't want to sit there and jump the gun on Tippett because the fact that the other thing I thought on Tippett was, listen, he just flew in. He's trying to make a great first impression. He's like running on pure adrenaline at this point. Sure. So one, one game is not going to make me, who goes to 40-some-odd games a year, freak the hell out about him because of the fact that he looked good the first time he put the jersey on. Can he do it? Like Again, consistency is key. Yep. But if he does put some of those efforts together consistently over the next couple of days, especially these first few games. I don't think we're going to get to April 2nd when the team's back home and he's got a goal under his belt or a couple of points. I agree. He's going to start to set up guys because he's getting an opportunity. And that, that, that would be a good thing to be honest. Like it would be nice if I saw his first, that would be cool. There's a real possibility. You know, you sat there for a long time kind of questioning whether or not, like, hey, was there po- is it possible St. Louis is in on this and Giroux could go to St. Louis? And, and there were some whispers, nothing serious, but there were some right. whispers. And, no, that's not obviously not the case anymore. But, right. But you do have that shot. You might see Owen Tippett's first goal as a flyer. Hey, maybe at least first point. I'll take it. But... All right, we're going to we're going to go ahead and put a little bit of a wrap on what we got going. I'm going to hit our socials and then I'm going to tease this. I'm going to we're going to go out on something good. Okay? okay? So before we get to that, uh, make sure to follow us everywhere, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast, follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. It's all been scrolling at the bottom of the screen. If you're watching, you subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SportstalkPhilly.com. We are all over the place. Make sure you're following at SportstalkPHL and at Flyerdelphia on Twitter too. And uh, other than that, I, as far as the socials go, I think that's about it. Yes. So... As your, we head to a wrap, idea here. As we head to a wrap today, I think I think we end it with this. Give me your best Claude Giroux memory. Now I'll give you a second. I'll go first. Okay. It wasn't going to take me that long, probably, <laughs> but I'll let you go first. I have two. Okay. And I, and I was I, in, I'm probably going to double up myself, but like, well, I'm thinking about that. If I, I have like I need, you, go first. I have one that I was in the building for, and one that I was not in the building for. Which okay. one do you want first? Um, give me the one you were in the building for, because I feel like I know what it is. I feel like you probably do too. So it's a cold, rainy night in February of 2019 and the Philadelphia Flyers overcome a three, one deficit to beat the Philadelphia or to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins four, three in overtime with Claude Giroux scoring an absolute beauty. (laughs) And that team, that game, it was cold. Yeah. It was rainy. I was extraordinarily glad that we bought tickets on the suite level so that we had the heated concourse. 
actually got to go dry off a little bit during, I think it was Luke Bryan or whoever played it. I, I don't Keith remember. Urban did. Keith, Keith Urban did. Keith Urban. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't follow country music. I'm sorry. No, I, and, you, and you know I do. But besides, I didn't even yeah. see him because I, I was actually doing a video intermission report with okay. 97.3 at that time. So, yeah. But that game, Claude Giroux scored and he circles towards the glass. And well, hold he, on. Wait, I'll duck out of the way. <laughs> right. And he circles towards the glass. The picture's behind me. And he does what you see there on Kevin's screen. And he gives a pose that he's given a couple of times in a Philadelphia Flyers. And he just he scores an overtime winner. And he just holds his arms out. And it's very, are you not entertained? And my God, we were entertained. Okay. So, so for that one, I want to say thank you for that experience, Claude. That was, that was a once in a lifetime for me. Okay, so what's the moment that you have that wasn't like you weren't there for that you're gonna? It's the shift. Okay, that's fair. It's opening the 2012 playoffs. You knock Sidney Crosby on his rear end. The Wells Fargo Center goes absolutely bananas. Thirty seconds later, absolute bar down snipe, pounds the glass. Tons of emotion. Let's go. See it clearly in his mouth. Man, I, I know they didn't. But in that moment, I thought they were winning the cup. I thought the baton was handed, if you will. So, all right. So let me do this because, okay. So I wrote, I did write a 10, top 10 moments thing kind of in retrospect for his career. Sure. And you just, and you just mentioned the top two that were okay. on the list there. The shift was number one. It, it, I believe, believe it or not, I know it feels like, yeah, listen, the stadium series feels big, all that stuff. But the shift was number one. It has because, to be. It has to be. And then the stadium series goal was number two. And then... The, I'm going to go through the third one really quick, and then I'll get into some of the others that matter to me because of the fact there's a there's a difference. But number three was this Stanley Cup final overtime goal. Oh man, yeah, fair enough. And that's that's where I kind of had to then dig a little because there's a lot of other stuff I threw in. You know, honestly, the turnaround I, goal against I, Columbus got a lot of love recently, and yeah. I but that was one of them. I had fun uh, fact: I was at that game too. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. I had that one in there. I'm going to try to keep going because it was that one. Um, the Winnipeg goal with Ghost in overtime? Nope, I didn't put that one in there. It, okay, it, that, made a, that made a lot of the compilations, and I just wanted to mention I was at that game too. Oh, and that's, no, and that's fair. <laughs> that it, and, and it's fair it made a lot of compilations. But no, it, it was not – that's not my A number one or whatever. That was the first time, by the way, I remember him hitting the, the arms out, are you not entertained? That was the first time I remember seeing it. Okay. Um, so here's a couple of mine personally, and I'm going to echo yours. One, you're one of yours because the stadium series is the best game I ever got to cover. Uh, I was not, okay. I was not dealing with a cold and rainy night because I was inside of a warm press box behind glass, but beside the point. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's on our channel. Sorry. Now. My nose itches. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but either way, like it was a great. You know, like obviously, it was one of the coolest things I got to do. It was a, it was much more of a national event. And then the game had like a crazy ending where they rally back from three one down to win the even, game in overtime. Even the Geno goal that hit Brian Elliott's glove popped straight up in the air and then and hit the back in. of his foot. Like yeah. it was wild. Yeah. It was a wild game. So most of what I'm thinking of from here to kind of double up on that is just a couple of the moments I can actually remember covering in person. Okay. Again, stuff that hits highlight reels. I was at the regular season finale against the Rangers with the hat trick. Love I was that. at um Right before that, he also scored in overtime against the Bruins, faked between the legs. That was a big goal. I remember um, that one. That, one that was fun. a fun game to cover. 
Um, you know, obviously I'll throw in his 1,000th game just because of the fact that, that was again it's a tribute. Like the, all that's the a special him, moment. It's a special moment. I was it. It definitely started to hit me on the way home what I had just watched, and it was kind of that it hit I, me hard because if I still lived in the area, I would have been there. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple others that I know I covered that I listed because there were certain ones I listed that I know I covered to an extent. He he had an overtime goal against the Penguins in, in the fight-filled game in January 2015 that was fun. That was a cool moment. Hey, I was um, at that game too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm missing one very obvious that I was at that they wrote in the arm nonetheless. Like, I was like, I, none of them come across as like anything in particular. Like he had a couple really great goals in general too. Like there was an, an one, another one that made the highlight reels was his, he had an overtime goal against Chicago that was uh, not the Stanley Cup game, right. but it was you know that kind of thing and you know all of that type of stuff. All right, let me see if I can find what else it is really quick while I look at this article because I definitely covered a lot of these other items and things like that, and I'm trying to make sure I hit all of them. Um, so there was, uh, there was that one, these were, some of these well, were on the road. While um, you're looking, I'll mention for our, uh, non YouTube audience that if you check us out on YouTube, you can witness my cats currently fighting in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure to check us out on YouTube because yeah, cats, we gotta, we gotta get, um, we gotta get Wes McCauley on the scene to break that up or something. Don't we? <laughs> okay. So maybe it wasn't, maybe it was five minutes each the- for fighting, right? Um, maybe it wasn't one of the ones that was in the list then, but like I'm just like I'm just thinking of some of the other, you know, just some of the other games because it was countless number of games and it was you know there was a lot of stuff. I mean, even down to and this is not like one of his greatest moments like specifically, but he scored a game tying goal this year with eight seconds left. Yep. And like you're sitting here going, yeah, like last year he had two and twenty two seconds to tie a game. <laughs> you're going, that's you know that's what he could do. Nobody has put this team on their back quite like Claude Giroux has. And we've talked about it kind of all show for a long time. He was your best player. Yeah. You know, he had some superstar years, you know, he's waned from that a little bit as he's aged and that's fair, yeah. but he, he had some years where he was a legitimate superstar. You know, when, when the whole passing the torch conversation happened, it was a little crazy, but it wasn't yeah. impossible that it was going to happen at some point. And, I really don't have a nice, clean way to end this, but I I know you're not going to hear this, Claude, but if somehow you do, (laughs) thank you. You were an incredible captain, and over the last 48 or so hours, I've been catching myself. Am I a Flyers fan or am I a Claude Giroux fan? And, like, obviously I'm a Flyers fan and I'll be here. No, but right now it's okay. Like, here's the thing, truthfully. Yep. Right now it's okay to be both. You you, you sure. should, you should sure. root for him. And I, I, said, I said this, you know, elsewhere too. It's, you know, I really do hope that we kind of are able to have that chemo team in a moment again where he's the God, one I'm going to sob big, fat, ugly tears. <laughs> if Florida and, makes the Stanley Cup final, we're going live after some games for sure. Well, and here's the thing, okay? So you you can root for that, but you want to, you know, obviously people who listen to this type of stuff, people who go to these games are rooting for the Philadelphia Flyers, and Claude Drew is no longer part of the Philadelphia Flyers, no matter how you want to spin it. And that's the way it's got to be. Like, yes, watch these games the rest of the year for all the things we just talked about from Owen Tippett to Morgan Frost to Cam York to all of the young players. By the way, again, I did this, I did this on the other show too. Carter Hart on Sunday had a really good game and was like the he did. sixth and was like the sixth best player because he wasn't getting a ton of shot volume that game. Right. Like it was funny how that worked out, but still great, you know, 
it's great to see him put together another strong game. Like, watch sure. for him. Watch for the, Travis Sanheim playing with high confidence. Watch for Kevin Hayes being healthy. Watch for Joel Farabee being Joel Farabee and trying to take another step. You know, that's what you should watch for as a Philadelphia Flyers fan. But you can definitely support Claude Giroux's attempt to go and win a Stanley Cup this year and whatever happens moving forward, however it goes. But we will see what happens, obviously, because there's a lot to, you know, go into as as the rest of this season plays out. Because obviously the show now is going to be totally different moving forward because of the fact that we've gotten past that point that we knew we could get past. Now we're on to the final 20. And when the final 20 is over... You know, then we got a long wait with the playoffs until yep. we get to all the real activity in the offseason. So good to know. And, you know, just, you know, it was good talking some Claude Drew memories, too, because Absolutely. that's what we knew we were going to do. And it's, you know, it's good. You know, yeah. it's good to talk about him in that way and to show some support for him as well in Florida. And I think that's a really good way to go out. Claude, go win a cup, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So- We'll be back next week, and we will officially begin the post-Claude Giroux era here on YWT. Like I said, follow us on all the socials. I know I hit it already. I'm not going to hit it again. The captain deserves uh, to have the last word here. So, Cap, one of these days, we'll see you.